This is Boom Goddess Radio, igniting inspiration in primetime women. We are Jennifer Davis Page, Bebe Peters, and Dr. Andrea Gould. Welcome to Season 2 of Boom Goddess Radio, and today we're turning the tables a bit. We're fortunate enough to have Catherine Kellner of Human Communications Studio interviewing the three of us about how we came to develop Boom Goddess Radio. So listen in and enjoy. Welcome to all of you to the Human Communications Studio. And again, I want to thank you for allowing us to be part of your radio show today and to entrust the questioning to me. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm Catherine Kellner. I'm the director of the Human Communications Studio. And of course, I know all of you, but I'll have you introduce yourselves again for new listeners to Boom Goddess Radio. I'm Jennifer Davis Page, co-founder of Boom Goddess Radio. And I'm B.B. Peters. And I'm Andrea Goldmarks. Welcome to the studio today. And for listeners who haven't listened to Boom Goddess Radio, you've got to listen to these episodes. You'll learn a lot about these ladies through their conversations. And today's conversation is to reveal a little bit more of, of who these fascinating women are and what they've created and the lessons we can learn from their process. So let's get started. Let's do it. Let's do it. I have gotten to listen to your show and read a lot about you. So I was hoping today we could explore who you are. You do so much of providing information for your listeners in really meaningful ways. And I think it would be really exciting to learn more about you all. So outside of Boom Goddess Radio, as you move through the world and you were to meet someone new and tell them about yourself, how would you introduce yourself? What do you say about yourself? So this is Bibi, and I would say that I am a creatively engaged woman seeking new adventures in her life. At some point in time, it occurred to me that I needed uh, three defining words to sort of uh, lead me in the next path once I turned 50. And those were learning, creativity, and purpose. And then these two darlings came into my life, um, and creativity and learning keeps going. So that's what I would say about myself. And I'd like to just add uh, another follow-up question to that. It sounds to me like you adopt a structure that you can then free flow from. You have defining words and that there's maybe pictures in your head about what those words mean. When you say creative, you actually have a function or a, an imagery of something that you're doing? I think that is correct. I, it has so much to do with Tucson and moving here some seven years back and being infected, if I could use that word, with beauty and nature of this community, of this really divine space. And um, that brought to me the opportunity to then get even more creative and connect with the incredible artists and musicians and 
authors and painters here in our community. And I feel like I'm at this apex of creativity, just bubbling up and continuing to grow. Wonderful. Well, well, this morning I was at the doctor's office and met the woman that was drawing my blood. And she says to me, "Um, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm a podcaster is what I told her. And she said, well, what is that? So there's a lot of women out here, and she was probably in her late 50s. So I explained to her what a podcaster was, and I gave her my card, and I said, this is what I want you to do. And as my partners know, my tagline for all these ladies is, I want you to pour your favorite drink, put your feet up, select a topic that you think you might enjoy listening to, and sit back and enjoy. And that's what I told her. And she was absolutely thrilled that at the end of this day, she's going to go on to Boom Goddess Radio and get to know us and and get to know the topics that we cover. So that's that's how I describe myself to people. And I'm really happy about that because I just love this this communications and, and being able to have women understand what's going on and you know all of us are so we're different in so many ways but we're alike in so many ways and we share a lot of problems and we're here to to help them understand and to learn from them this idea of you introducing yourself as a podcaster i i find that and and then your follow-up with whoever is in front of you is going to shift right because the they may know what it is. They may not know what it is. So the follow-up question sounds like it gives you this incredible roadmap to give them what they need in terms of what they understand so far. And add some excitement to to their life for just a few minutes. Because now today she's going to be thinking about this Boom Goddess Radio and how it can help her and share it with her friends. So when you introduce yourself as a podcaster, I think this is an interesting construct for the audience that you're talking to because they may not know what a podcast is. They may know what a podcast is. And the follow-up conversation that that inspires is really interesting in today's world, especially with older people. Exactly, exactly. As I said, she, she when I explained to her what what a podcast was she was just thrilled it was almost like opening a new present under the christmas tree she so she learned something new today which is wonderful and do you think jennifer which i i know because a little bit of your background which we'll probably review a little bit more um in your management and production of a product you know the whole picture of what a product is and where it goes to serve someone or to give them an experience it's interesting if we if we think of the podcaster idea as you're embodying that, that it's also you're focusing on delivering a product. Absolutely. And do you see yourself that way, that you're part of a process of... I've seen myself that way for a very long time. I, I, I wasn't a podcaster then, but I've seen myself that way for a very long time, um, trying to educate and inform, and so that's what I enjoy doing. I, I think these two different identities, right away, we can begin to learn more about how you both move through the world, which I think is reflected in your podcasts, you know, right I- I- immediately. That's good. I'm glad yeah. that you're able to hear that, actually. Yeah. Oh, I, I hear it. <laughs> and I'm looking at these two partners of mine. This is Andrea. And um, I just have such love for each of each of them with, I know after now it's two years, 
who each of us is, who you are, Bibi, who you are, Jennifer. And my heart is just so open and appreciative of the differences among us and how we move in the world. I sometimes call Bibi Glenda the agenda, and you picked up on her sense of structure. Yes, she did. And then Jennifer is like full steam ahead. Yes. You know, she has a train background. So <laughs> working at Amtrak. So there's something so delightful about having the privilege of knowing one another deeply and working together that I totally appreciate. And if you aren't in a professional capacity, how do you introduce yourself? Or do you feel that it's uh, interlinked? It's so merged. I mean, there I've spent 45 years in the world of psychology. And like Bibi, when I moved to Tucson, I felt there was an opportunity to reinvent my directionality. And while I still maintain a private practice in New York and one here in Tucson, in Arizona, um, I love the idea of taking the deeper issues that connect all of our psyches into out of the consultation room and into the community. And media, I would describe myself as a media psychologist and have been heading in this direction for a very long time. And I'm thrilled to be here in this beautiful studio with my partners, really responding to the reality that we've brought about. So when you're out and about, and if you describe yourself as a media psychologist and somebody says, what is that? Or what does that mean? How do you help them understand? I think it's an idea whose time has come. I feel like I'm a woman whose time has come that I've been fascinated with technology since the outset and to be able to utilize technology to bring ideas, inspiration, education to more than just a one-to-one basis is thrilling to me. And I have a, a good amount of trust in knowing that in conversation, the truths tend to surface, and then we can deal with them and look at them. And that's my major interest in helping to bring about this kind of a, um, this kind of production. So what I'm hearing from all three of you is it, yours is very fluid. It has a foundation of thoughtfulness and it's delivered in a conversational manner when you describe yourself. Yours has structure. Yours has process and delivery. And isn't that a wonderful team, you know, of coming together to what I know is your mission to promote conversation? What is one thing, what's something about you that would be surprising to your audience that they would know about you. They wouldn't hear it in your podcast. Okay. They wouldn't be able to unearth it in the bio, but something interesting and surprising. Well, here's something that I can suggest. Um, I just got a new kitten and I am on the floor and I am the mother of a new baby. <laughs> and I think baby helped reveal, so it may be a day old, so it's not such a surprise, that the new kitten, um, whose name is Kismet, uh, to reflect the synchronicity that I just am so charmed by, um, this cat has brought out such incredible playfulness in me that is always there. But without having a kitten in my life or a tiny child, it just I just feel the joy bubbling up and bubbling out all over the place. So I'm like excited 
and um, I'm, I'm totally in love. Fantastic. <laughs> and about me, I was reflecting back on the word adventure that I spoke about before, and I was thinking that ever since I was a little child, maybe between like beginning with the age of five, I could take the bus. I could walk from my house for a block and a half or two to a bus, take it to um, a little uh, downtown in Bialystok, Poland, and uh, come back by myself. And so as an only child, I have been very curious and sort of seeking those little adventures ever since I can recall. So I think that's one of the things that people may not know. That this sense of adventure. Yes. And the independence drive to experience things singularly, I think. Singularly or new things or to keep continuing to learn and expand and, and grow. That, and that is surprising if someone might attach structure to you, that you're very structured. We, we may miss the spontaneity of adventure under there if we're only focused on that. That's right. That's right. The inside and the outside of us, right? Yes. Yeah. I tested uh, BB's adventure, uh, adventurous spirit <laughs> when I... I told her, I said, let's get on a train and go to New Orleans from here. So she had never been on a, on a train around America before, and um, it was an interesting trip, wasn't it? I loved it so much. It was so much fun. Uh, and I didn't, like, whine about it or anything too much. Not, not much. Not no. too much. <laughs> not much. Um, but I am an ex-Amtrak executive, and I am a train person. And I think seeing America by rail is just... Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And um, so I like being able to sit in, in, in a private room on the train with a book or music and look out at the beautiful scenery around America. I tell people all the time, um, you can't see this kind of view from 30,000 feet up. And it's, it's very calming to me. And... Um, you meet the most interesting people on the train. And as I've told my, my two friends here that um, women tend to come and sit next to me on the train and tell me their stories. They tell me things that they wouldn't normally tell people because they know I'm a stranger and I'm not going to repeat the story to anybody that they know. And it's, it's just amazing. If I were ever to write a book, and I think I will, that it will be about the, the tales that women tell on the train, the stories that women tell on the train about their lives. Well, one wonderful thing about the train is there's community seating. So when you get on you're, and you go into the beautiful dining room, you're sitting with strangers. And for an hour or two, you're dining with three other people that you may or may not ever see again in your life. Mm. So um, it gives everybody a very wonderful comfort level. It's like, you know, the old expression when you're in Vegas, whatever, whatever you say in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's kind of that way on the train. <laughs> well, and everybody's chosen to be there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'd like to follow up on that and learn how you all met. If you could describe where you were in space, the building, the environment, or the event how you came to that event or place, if you were all three there at one time, 
and how the physical structure or the event itself facilitated you meeting. I think that maybe it would be parsimonious for me to say because I was an outsider that entered an event that was um, engineered by Jennifer and Bibi. They had joined together and picked up an existing network that had a luncheon monthly. And I was invited for the first time to this luncheon, which they had established maybe for three or three months. And um, Bibi begins the luncheon all the time. Was it at a home? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was at a re- local restaurant here, a very lovely restaurant. The name of it is Vivachi. Mm-hmm. And, and the meeting room in the back? And yes. the meeting room yes. in the back. And Bibi... And, and for our listeners who've never been there, how would you describe that space? Uh, so I'll do that. Um, it's... Uh, it's uh, so magical, it seems to us, in that the color of the walls and the texture of the faux finish on it, this uh, wonderful burnt red orange, uh, the lighting is just perfect. It has a little bit of a vintage feel. You see the outdoors outside and the greenery and the beautiful desert landscape before you. And it, there is a, an element of coziness, very much like in the space where we are now. Um, So this element of coziness and support uh, and love uh, prevailed in a space that uh, Jennifer and I host a group of women uh, for a monthly um, luncheon. And then Dr. Andrea appeared one September uh, day. It was her first time there. And we asked a question about uh, what it is that all the uh, women guests want to do in their life. What is their next step? And the three of us identify this notion of Uh, developing some type of a program, a media product. Uh, And it all began there. Baby and I, I moved to uh, Tucson from Chicago because I didn't want to have any more snow and ice in my world. And um, because I'm I'm a train lover, I decided to start a business down here called Journeys by Train. And and I was going to design and escort groups around America by train. Uh, to um, my dismay, I came down here, and when I talked to women about the train, nobody even knew we had a train station in Tucson. So my, my plot in life right now is to teach all of the women in Tucson about trains. I'm going to take them on a train. We're going to have a great time, and we are going to ride and get our choo-choo on. Yes, yeah, all that's right? great. So um, I started this business, but I didn't know anybody. So I, I was looking around for a graphic designer who happened to be Bibi's best friend. So as she and I were working together, she says, you've got to meet Bibi. So the, she brought Bibi over to my home. We had chai tea and So the love. first time you met was in your home? Yes. Mm-hmm. And can you describe that space? Well, the chai tea sounds like a winner already. It was fantastic. <laughs> it has stayed with me ever since that time, and I've been asking Jennifer to recreate it for us repeatedly. So I opened the door when I saw them drive up and walked out to the car, and we hugged as if we had been friends for mm-hmm. forever. 
So it just felt good. It felt right. And we came in and we ate things we shouldn't have eaten in terms of pastries. We had chai tea and we talked about how I could uh, market my trip to New Orleans. So that's how she and I met. And in the throes of, of her dragging me around town, introducing me to people that she knew, we went to a, a lovely women's luncheon and it was called Women Impacting Tucson. And they had been around for about 15 years, but they decided that they were going to end the, end the luncheons and asked if anybody wanted to take it on. So I kind of raised my hand and Bibi was sitting next to me and I said, let's do this. And she says, I've, I've got too much to do. And I kicked her under the table <laughs> and I said, we're gonna do this. I think this is, we can't let something like this go away. So that's how, that's how we got together and started this. And uh, she went to New Orleans with me. We drank bourbon on Bourbon Street and had a great time. So the initial attraction was there and then the evolution of becoming partners happened in a split second because you both are risk takers, I'm hearing. Yes, and we liked each other. That was the important thing. But calculated. Calculated, yes. Measured. <laughs> yes, because you both had imageries of these directions, and you didn't have a plan. You hadn't discussed it, but you no. did it in the moment. So what happened was, at that fateful September meeting, Bibi asked the question, what has inspired you within the past three months? Mm -hmm. And I was actually, uncommonly, in not such a great mood that day. Is this the, is this the step forward now at Vivace's? Yes. And this is the event that the two of you took on and yes. now had created a forum for... Well, With that's, that's now almost 400 women on Almost 400 oh, women. That's so yeah. wonderful. But and let's just go back just a moment, if you don't mind, Andrea. When we got together, um, we brought these women that knew us into that room, and there were only 20 of us. And, and they all participated in what we were going to call ourselves. And so they, so we all became a family right away in terms of what we are going to do, what our mission was going to be. And we ended up with the name, the Network of Extraordinary Women. So that's what we call ourselves. We're not incorporated or anything. We're just a, we call it a, a lovely tribe of women that are there to help one another. So I get invited by neither of these two, by somebody entirely different. And I am not in a great mood. And BB asks, they have a protocol that they set up where there's a question that's addressed to the entire 40 women who are in the room to introduce themselves, say a little bit about what they do, and then answer a question. And in this case, the question was, what has inspired you over the past three and, months? And when you went, did you know that that this was part of the meeting? Did you have an expectation you would none. go and meet people? I had no expectation. But there wasn't, this is a participatory group. I didn't gonna, know that. Oh. I didn't know that. So, yes, that's a good point. So that when the question arose, I was sitting there sort of in a very uncommonly grumpy mood. And this was the time that the, um, uh, the election process had begun. And media had taken over in a way that was already very agitating to many people. And I was particularly agitated by it. And it only firmed up my desire to use media in a more constructive way 
because it was already beginning to be obvious that this was going to be a very destructive media cycle. And so when when the question was put to to all of us, what inspired you? I got up and I said, I was not inspired. I was despired and I was de-energized. And what I really wanted to do was create media that would rejuvenate, that would refresh, that would nourish people. And I sat down. And at the end of the meeting, these two came up to me and said, we want to do the same thing. <laughs> and, and that was it. We, In a snap, we were galvanized and on it. We were like on three, three horses, and we just charged ahead, and we created so much within just a couple of months. And we bought equipment, and we learned how to operate. We hired engineers. We uh, wrote copy. We did branding. We did the website. We uh, recorded 26 podcasts. Whew, I can't even I can't even take a breath. <laughs> and we launched six months after meeting on, on Women's Day, on International Women's Day, which was March 8th. 2015. And shortly thereafter, we had this huge extravaganza launch party at a car dealership with windows all around. And we were on display from over 100 people. And we partied and had a fabulous time and we became visible right away. So the mechanics of coming together after that Vivace day... What happened next? Did you did you meet at homes? Did you meet yes. at restaurants? Homes. homes. My home became the designated studio, and we met regularly. We are very committed, and we're three women, professional women with successful careers, so we know what it takes to get something done, and we got it done. I mean, we met right away. My former cat was, my late cat, <laughs> Whisper, was our mascot. We used my entire home as a studio what was what was the process like to get to the perception that we are work partners what did you build a relationship that was different or how did did it was instantaneous i think the three of us had an intuition that this was it right that we're doing it yes this was it we just committed to meeting and and creating immediately and in that process did you share personal stories with one another that laid the foundation for the types of content you chose to produce? Well, a lot of it we did we shared through our podcast. We didn't sit down and have an ad session of any kind where we just poured our souls like, out. You know, we didn't we did not do do that. Um, we talked a lot as women do, but we didn't we didn't sit down and we didn't say, interview no, one no, another. We didn't. It just felt right right away. I, I think that each of us is very intuitive. And we were comfortable. You know, when you know it's right, it's right. I think that knowledge of knowing that something is right is different for you as a prime time woman than maybe a younger generation. And can I would love to hear your thoughts about how you think your life experience and your maturity allows you to see that it was right. Because I think a lot of women aren't necessarily building friendships from that sensory organic place of trust. How did that happen for you all? Can you articulate that? I can, I can try to articulate it. I think I know for me that 
I feel that I have a sense of a person almost instantaneously. And so trust is part of that. In meeting Bibi and reading her energy and seeing how serious Jennifer was about getting started, feeling that sense of commitment that each of us was so willing instantly to make a commitment to it. It was like, okay, well, what about we get together next week? Nobody was like, well, I have to see. Not at all. So uh, you got cues that uh, just slotted right in there. For uh, you. Right, right in there immediately. And, um, and then one thing led to another after that. We never disappointed each other in that respect. We all showed up when we said we would show up. We, it was very organic. We actually, the trust was there to begin with for whatever reason we want to say. I mean, these two, Jennifer and Bibi, knew each other for a while. Not that long. A little bit. Yeah, a year or so. Mm -hmm. A year, right? But going on that trust go. I think the wisdom of being older and knowing uh, or trusting in your accuracy. Like, why'd you come right up to me at the end of the meeting? Well, when I was standing at, at the podium, I wrote down your name and what you were interested in. And then I slipped a note to Bibi to say we need to speak with her after the, after the luncheon. So that's how we came over to, to introduce ourselves to you, because we, we liked you. And um, so th that's what made it happen. So you got some kind of cue from her. I'm wondering, was it the sort of interesting way that you presented yourself, which was authentic, saying, I'm despired, not inspired? I'm starting from a place of the reality of that moment. Do you think that that resonated? Well, she with introduced you? herself as a psychologist from New York, so I knew she was going to be. <laughs> I knew she was, she was going to be on top of everything. So I said, "Okay, this is this." So you got the framework we, of that you could build an association with because of your New York and City. And I would probably have to need a, a psychologist at some point, and I needed. To have <laughs> That was my sister. Oh, okay. The truth. I need to have a sister psychologist at some point. And what what for you, BB? What do you think? I think the clues keep on coming also. Uh, one of the things that I uh, work very closely with Andrea on is writing. We um, mesh uh, immensely well in whether um, developing content or writing blogs or uh, reporting on stories. Um, uh, very often I just give her a framework and she expands on it and or we blend in and work on pieces. So that is a continuous um, mechanism that feeds me in what I do. Uh, when we work on events and Jennifer thinks of the quality of the linen cloths that are on tables and the type of uh, uh, flowers that are there and how guests may feel in a certain place that we're hosting a nonprofit uh, event at, that's another clue that speaks to what I need and what I want in my life. Those clues just keep on coming, it seems. And this, this idea of uh, conflict. So we're talking about everything that's working. What, when it doesn't work, how, how do you all work with that? Do you have a way that you solve problems? What is the... We haven't hit that bump in the road yet. 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say conflict. I think that the hiatus that we took this summer really helped each of us to separate out what we wanted to do as individuals as as well as a group. And I I can't say enough about giving oneself a time to be for about two months, we, we kind of stepped away from the actual production. We kept in touch and we spoke. But I think there's a certain clarity that comes when we have some separation from the pressure of having to produce. So really you're preempting the, Conflict. Yes, or taking the time so that things sink. This is an interesting thing I'd love to hear you all talk about if you've done that in other times in your life and what the value of that was. Was it in a job or a relationship or, you know, it's something you just know because of your expertise? Yes, and I think we have a an interesting model in place in that we give each other the gift of their own life so that uh, if Andrea is going on a weekend or an out-of-town trip with her hubby, or if Jennifer is doing a project, or if I am not um, available, we take turns because there are three of us. So two of us very often pitch in and create something that needs to be done. Um, I also wanted to add that one of the things that has really helped us is to communicate. There may be times, there are times where we may not agree on a certain path, all three of us, but by sitting down and looking at each other face to face and looking in each other's eyes and by being able to share uh, precisely that which we're holding inside helps us tremendously because we already have a psychologist in the <laughs> space. And so with her deeper knowledge and understanding of that, she even brings that more out in, in us. So that level of uh, uh, communication has been so important. And the sense of teaming also. In other words, if there's a direction that Jennifer wants to go in or direction that Bibi wants to go in that may not have been the first thing on my mind or the first thing on, on, on anyone's mind, the three of us just, I think, organically commit to being a team. So we fall in. So, you know, it's called situational leadership. So if there's an event that Jennifer wants to run with, you know, then she's the quarterback on that event, and we fall in and do what's ever necessary. And I believe that that is going to happen even more and more as we, like any growing organism, differentiate in the service of our wholeness. It's a biological concept, but, you know, just like the baby differentiates the cells as they grow, and, you know, you take a bunch of six-month-olds, and they're all the same at the beginning, and then 50 years later, they're in every different direction. So we have differentiated. We've also strengthened our wholeness. There's another very important factor. We're very committed to self-care. That's one of our major themes. So in being committed to self-care, if, if I see that Jennifer is taking care of her mother and know what that entails in terms of her energy, I'm tuned into her energy. I, my expectations get adjusted during that period of time. And I think we all do that organically. I got a 
texts from Bibi, like, how is it going with the new kitten? Because we're aware of each other's lives and we're aware of our needs to take time and space. And if we see one another, one of us, not taking that time or not caring enough for ourselves, that's a priority because we're only as good as we're okay. So we make sure we take care of one another. We loved having the tables turned, and thank you so much, Catherine. We look forward to continuing this conversation next time on Bloom Goddess Radio.